Um, all right, so summer cinema is what we're doing this week. It's what we've been doing. And like when, uh, when I knew we were going to do this series, I got excited, and I got excited about this movie. Uh, this is one of my absolute favorite movies. Um, when, when Rona was at its peak, at the, like the peak of Rona, uh, Caden, Caden's my son, Caden and I watched all the Marvel movies in, in order. And there's like, I don't know, 127 of them. It's like 6,000 hours. We didn't have anything else to do, you know? So, uh, and I'm sure he enjoyed 6,000 hours with me in captivity. <laughs> but like we watched them all. I remember we, we finished Endgame at like 3 a.m. on one morning. But as we were watching the Marvel, raise your hand if you ever watched any of the Marvel movies. Phew, that's good. Better than Togo. That's good. Some of you watched. So I like Togo. I'm just messing with Chris. Um, so. My favorite, though, of all the Marvel movies is one called Black Panther. I love, have you seen Black Panther? Like, I love this movie. Um, it's just, it stands above the rest. Black Panther is about the, this city called Wakanda. And in Wakanda, they have this, uh, this material, this resource, it's called vibranium. And it's the most powerful thing in the world. And so they have all this power at their, at their disposal. And, and then there's, there's a bad guy who comes into the city, and his name is Killmonger. And Killmonger is sort of fighting with King T'Challa over what to do with this incredible resource called vibranium that could completely change the world, all right? So it's this battle of, we've got all this stuff, what do we do with it? And so this is Black Panther. Check it out. Son, it is your time. Show me my respect and bow down. You get to decide what kind of king you are going to be. Don't freeze. I never freeze. The revolution will not be televised. Show me my respect. I waited my entire life for this. The world's gonna start over. I'm gonna burn it all. What happens now determines what happens to the rest of the world. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. Wakanda forever! The revolution will not be televised. Let's have some fun. talking about. <laughs> Dang, Napoleon. That's that movie. I love this movie. Like, Wakanda Forever. It's so good. And like, but, but <laughs> you're like, man, I brought my dad and this dude's doing Black Panther. <laughs> Finally got this old dude to go to church. And Tommy's doing Black Panther. 
I love it. Like in the midst of this movie and all this action and all this stuff and all these things going on, there is this question that is so good. And it's a question that the church, this church and the church, it is a question that we must ask ourselves in this movie. I don't know, accidentally or I don't, divine, I don't know. Somehow this movie does such a good job of presenting this question. And the question is, how do we as kingdom people interact with the world around us? How do we as people who are called to be in the world but not of the world, as people who are called to to bring the message of Christ to the world, as people with all this power and all this responsibility, how do we interact with the world around us? See, Wakanda is this place in the middle of a broken world. In the movie, the world has problems around Wakanda. Uh, there's, there's hatred, and there's killing, and there's racism, and there's all these just horrific problems out in the world. And there's, there's, there's poverty, and there's, there's people starving to death. And the Wakandans, they have the resources to help the world. They have the power and the potential to help the world around them. They have the ability to fight poverty, to fight disease, to stop wars, like they have that at their disposal. But how will they use it? How will these people with all this power use their power in the world around them? And there's two basic, two basic um, trains of thought through the movie. And, and one train of thought is isolation, that the Wakandans will literally put a bubble around their city and they will not help anyone else around them. That it's, we're going to take care of Wakanda and the heck to everybody else. That as long as we're okay in this bubble, as long as we have everything we need, then it doesn't matter what else is going on in the world. Because the Wakandans know if they were to help people, if they were to open their bubble to other people, it might change their way of life. It might cause them to sacrifice. They might lose some of what makes them so comfortable. So they don't want to do anything that doesn't directly benefit Wakanda. And then there's another train of thought in the movie, and that is we're going to go to war with the world. We're going to force the world to be like us. We're going to take our values and, and we're going to go out and we're going to overtake the world violently if that's what we have to do. And in this next scene, there's a dude named Killmonger. And, and Killmonger is sort of the new king in Wakanda and T'Challa. And they're having this, this problem about will we isolate or will we go to war with the world? And here it is. Check this out. from when black folks started revolutions they never had the firepower or the resources to fight their oppressors where was Wakanda hmm? you know that ends today we got spies embedded in every nation on earth already in place I know how colonizers think so we're gonna use their own strategy against them we're gonna send vibranium weapons out to our war dogs. They'll arm oppressed people all over the world so they can finally rise up and kill those in power and their children and anyone else who takes their side. It's time they know the truth about us. We're warriors. The world's gonna start over and this time we're on top. The sun 
will never settle on the Wakandan Empire. Wakanda has survived for so long by fighting when only absolutely necessary. Wakanda survived in the past this way, yes. But the world is changing, General. And this, it is getting smaller. The outside world is catching up. And soon, it will be the conquerors or the conquered. I'd rather be the former. You heard your orders. A uh, little known fact about that movie, the, the bad guy, Killmonger, I was his body double for a lot of the movie. A lot of people, <clears throat> it's a little known fact, a lot of people aren't aware of that, but just Google it. Um, little factoid. So here, here's this tension, right? There's this tension between let's go out and let's overtake the world, let's destroy everything, and let, let's, let's burn it down. Let's make sure everyone thinks the way we think. Or, no, 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 let's hide. Let's not do anything that would reveal ourselves to the world. And in this movie, in this mindset, what I hear and what I feel is the mindset of the church so many times. Then there's two basic approaches we often see, especially in the Western church. There's two basic approaches we see. And the first one is to isolate ourselves. We know that there's this broken world around us where, where all these terrible things are happening. But we, we tend to want to isolate ourselves from the rest of the world. Because if we don't, then the world might rub off on us. We want to protect ourselves. So we, you know, we have Christian schools and we send our kids there and we have Christian camps and we only go to those and we have Christian places and we have Christian chicken and we don't eat unchristian coffee. And, and I'm not saying any of those things are bad. I'm not sure how a Christian can give his life to Christ, but, but I, I mean, how a chicken can, but I, I, I don't say any of those things are bad. Like, I'm not saying can't, I went to a Christian school. It didn't help me much, but it's good for some people. But like, none of those things are bad on their own. But if we're doing those things to hide ourselves from the real world, then we're missing out on what God is calling us to do. Because we're so scared that, that to go out and, and be in the world or to actually love people, and then people would begin to believe that we agree with them on every topic. And so we're just scared. So we insulate ourselves from anyone who thinks different than us or acts different than us or talks different than us because we fear what they might do to our way of life. And listen, I... I'm all for protecting my family. But John 17, 14 seems to say there's more for us than isolation. It says, I have given them, this is Jesus talking, it says, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is that you take them out of the, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I'm not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they may be truly sanctified. Right, what he's saying is, I don't want to take you out of the world. I don't want to remove you. I don't want to hide you from the world. I want you to be in the world, but I want you to look different than the world. That means you don't isolate yourself from every single person who thinks different than you. you got to go reach people even when those people are not like you. This does not sound like isolate from the world. It sounds like go into it. And then there's this verse in Matthew 5, 13, and he says, You are the salt. This is Jesus talking again. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bushel. No. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who's in heaven. See, I, I think we've got a misunderstanding about salt. He says, I want you to be the salt of the earth. I think we think that if we go out and sprinkle ourselves into the world, if we interact with people who aren't like us, we're going to lose our saltiness. I, I think we think that, that salt stays salty if it just sits in a shaker full of other pieces of salt. And eventually... If salt isn't used, if it gets wet or sun gets on it, that's how it loses. Salt doesn't lose its saltiness by being sprinkled on food. And, and if you sprinkle salt on a hot dog, the salt doesn't lose its values. So, I mean, no, no, no one says, oh my gosh, this salt tastes like a hot dog. No, you say, this hot dog tastes salty. Because being sprinkled on things that are not salt doesn't make it less salty. It makes those things more salty. You see what I'm saying? When we're out in the world, being in the world, it doesn't make us less. It doesn't steal our values. It makes us more valuable because we're out in the world being sprinkled into the world and, and transforming people to hide in our own little groups where no one ever hears from us and we, and we shun anyone who's different and we, and we treat that. That's not salty. That's not how we are called to live. We don't lose our power by moving out into the world and displaying it. When you encounter someone who doesn't think like you or talk like you or act like you and you're being kind and loving, that doesn't like suck your power out of you. That just makes the world better. We don't, we're not called to hide from the world. We're called to transform it. And may, maybe some of us are hiding because we don't really understand the power we have. If you don't understand the power you have in you, then it makes sense to hide. But, but when you understand this power, our power can't be taken from us. The power that's in us can't be taken by people who don't have power. That's, that's not the way it works. We don't go out into the world and they, take that. they cannot take the power that's in us. Christ died on a cross. He resurrected from the grave. He said, I'm sending you my spirit and my spirit will be in you and you'll do even greater things than me. And what he didn't want us to do was say, okay, let's do great things in Let's all huddle together in a small group and make sure no one finds out about our great things. Matter of fact, listen to what it says in, in 2 Timothy. This is good. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of the hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power love and self-discipline. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or about me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel. By the power of God, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. The grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but now it has been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel. That's good, man. God uses us as conduits of power. And this power in us is not, it's not fear. It's a power of strength and self-discipline and love. And we're supposed to go out into the world. And we have the power over sin. Like we have power over death. We have power over suffering. We have so much power in our hands. And we will stand accountable for how we use that power. Say, I want you to go in the world do something with it. And if you have that power in you, you are responsible for what you do with it. But some of us want to isolate. Others think we're supposed to take that power and overwhelm the world. 
You're supposed to take that power and, and, and actually force people into submission like Wakanda, like Killmonger, that we're supposed to do whatever it takes and we justify the means by accomplishing the ends. I will do whatever it takes to make sure everyone's morality is like mine. And we justify this as righteous. That we can go out in the world and force people to act like us and think that we are God's hall monitors. We are the moral hall monitors of the world. And everybody loves a hall monitor. Really? I mean, this... We stand, we're like Paul Bart. We observe and report everything bad going on in the world. I see somebody doing something I don't like. I'm putting it on Facebook. I'm shouting them out because I am the moral police for the world. I will stand in judgment of everyone. Therefore, everyone will one day bow to my morality. Right? I've seen this in the church. Not this church, of course. We tried this uh, many years ago of forcing people and, 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 and just being cruel to people. It's called the Crusades. It's where Christians went out and killed everyone who wasn't a Christian. It didn't work for us. And you're like, well, I'm not hurting anybody. Yeah, your words. The Bible says your words are like a sword. And if, if, if that's what we're doing out in the world, slashing this sword around, then we will be judged by the very sword we use. I had a, I had a meeting this last week um, with, a, with a transgender person. And I just wanted to sit, and I just wanted to learn, and I wanted to hear. Um, so we met, and we talked for like an hour, just about what it's like to walk in his shoes and, and, and that world and that life. And I didn't lose my values by having a loving conversation with someone who had different values than me. Instead, the highest value in me, which is love, was elevated so that I was able to love someone who may have different values in some area than me. You know, I didn't lose my values by having a polite, empathetic conversation. I didn't lose it at all. I didn't lose my saltiness. But we're so scared that if we love somebody, they're going to think I agree with everything. No, we had an amazing conversation, and I learned, and he learned. But my values stayed the same. But I was able to love and have a conversation where they were heard. Guys, you know, this, this person and I were talking, and he said um, he had gone to a church one time, and, and someone came up to him during a luncheon and said, uh, how do you live with yourself knowing you're going to hell? Shame on us. Shame on us that we would allow that sort of thing to ever happen. That we would walk up to someone we don't know. And I say we because we are the church, and one part of our body does it. We've all done it. Unfortunately, we are one body together for better, for worse, that we would walk up to some human being who God loves dearly and we would condemn their soul because of one part of their life that we know nothing about. Shame on us. And then we would make jokes on Facebook about how someone identifies. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. That is not our witness in the world that we would laugh at something that causes people to kill themselves. Hold your values, but elevate the value of love. Because that's what we're called to do. That's who we are. And if God, you can be the most moral person in the world, and if you're not willing to lay down your life in sacrificial love, then you are not like Christ. And that's the truth. Our morality is not what's going to... It's not what's going to save people. Now, yes, again, hold your values, but hold them in the way Christ held his. Listen, I love this verse in Matthew 26. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, and he drew it, and he stuck the servant of the high priest, and he cut off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said. All who, die, who draw the sword will die by it. Do you think I cannot call on my father, and he will at once put at disposal 12 legions of angels? 
Jesus doesn't need us to be the hall monitor. He doesn't need it. He's God. He has the power. And every one of us, regardless of what your sin is, we will all one day answer to him for the choices we have made in this life. We'll all answer to him. He doesn't need a moral police force. That's not what the church exists to be. We exist to be this supernatural loving thing that makes no sense to the world around us. If it's all about morality, there's a problem because we've all failed morally at some point. If it's all about Jesus the Christ, then there is no problem because he never failed. Don't make it something it wasn't meant to be. It's hard, man. And I know, guys, even talking about this is, is, is hard. But my values don't change by having conversations with people who have different values. And if yours do, your values weren't that solid anyway. And maybe some of our values may need a little tweaking. Who knows? <laughs> right? But like, so what do we do? What do we do? If it's not our job to, to hide from the world, and it's not our job to slam the world and hold the world down and force them into our opinion, what do we do? How do we approach the world? Because values do matter. And, and sin is real. And we don't ignore these things. We don't discard these things. But how do we move in the world in a way that's actually effective? I think um, Nakia is Black Panther's girlfriend. And she said something so cool at the end of this movie. And it's like, it, it's a sermon in itself. And again, I don't know if they meant to or not. But listen to this. This is how the church should approach the world. Come home, Nakia. I'm right here. Stay. I came to support you and to honor your father, but I can't stay. It's just I found my calling out there. I've seen too many in need just to turn a blind eye. I can't be happy here knowing that there's people out there who have nothing. What would you have or Kanga do about it? Share what we have. We could provide aid and access to technology and refuge to those who need it. Other countries do it. We could do it better. You are not like these other countries, Nakia. If the world found out what we truly are, what we possess, we could lose our way of life. Wakanda is strong enough to help others and protect ourselves at the same time. If you are not so stubborn, you would make a great queen. I would make a great queen because I am so stubborn. Ah, if if that's what I wanted. Wakanda is strong enough to help others and maintain our way of life. My faith is strong enough to help others lay down my life for others and maintain my way of life. My God is strong enough to allow me to love others and maintain my moral compass for my life. He's strong enough where we can do both. You don't have to pick a camp. This is the one thing. Everything else is a camp issue. This is not. There's no camp necessary. You can actually love people while maintaining your values. There is a way to do it. 1 Peter 4, 8. Listen to this. I'm excited. I don't care. This is good. This is my heart, guys. Like This, this is my heart for the church. Uh, and it's an area where God has worked on me so much. It's an area where I realize how much just junk I've had in my head. And it's like an area where God is convicting me and turning me and changing me. And my values aren't changing. But the way I love people is. 
Listen to this. 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all, above all. In Greek, do you know what that translates to? Above all. What, what is above it? Why? Because why? it's above all. All in Hebrew is all. Above all. Love each other deeply. What am I going to be judged on the most when I, when I stand in front of the Father? Did I love him deeply? Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Thank you, God, for that. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Oh, wow. No, it's not possible. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever and ever. Amen. That's good. That's good. This is how we approach the world. With grace in its various forms. Above all, love each other deeply. I'll give you a practical so I, I, one day, y'all know D. Mooney? Anyone know D. Mooney, Deb Mooney? She's back there. Kids, Pastor, get up for Deb Mooney. She does a great job. So I came to Deb Mooney one day, and, and I was having, there was some, some sinner in the world that was on my nerves. And uh, so I came to her, and I was just like, man, I'm, I want to do this, this, this. And Deb Mooney said, okay, but before you do all that, you're, you're speaking out of anger. Before you do all that, let your heart break for what that person's going through. Before you do all that, before you go out there and you speak in anger, you let God break your heart. You, you grieve and mourn and wail for that person before you go speak to him. And I said, you're fired. I said, don't you ever use this book against me. That's my job, woman. Don't you, don't you do that. I called her woman, too, and she didn't like it. it says you can do that. But you know, how right was she? Like, we want to go pop off our mouths about who knows what. And she's like, no, no, no. Let your heart break for someone, especially someone's shoes you've never walked in and have no idea what it feels like. Allow your heart to break for them. And then, and then when your heart is broken and you grieve for them, then you build a relationship with them for the purpose of leading them closer to Jesus Christ. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. And some of you are doing this, man. Some of you aren't afraid. Some of you are out. You're in it, man. Some of you are out in it. You're not afraid. You're not afraid to go where others won't go. You're not afraid to love who others won't love. And you are the ones making a difference in the world. Wakanda forever. <laughs> There's power in you. Use it in a way that will actually change the world. Amen.